0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. Gear
2: up, Dolphin fans, because it is about to be a wild offseason. Jake and Josh are piloting the ship as we prepare for a new era of Miami Dolphins football. If you don't already, follow them on Twitter at jmendel 94 and at Howitz. Help our community grow by hitting the subscribe button and leaving a review. We thank you all for the support. Now let's talk some football.
1: Welcome in, Dolphin fans, to episode 98 of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show. Yes, that is episode 98. And before I welcome in my Kellen Moore-loving co-host, Jake Mendel, I just want to take a second to thank you guys for making the last podcast one of the best podcasts of the last 365 days. I was going to say year, but it was one of our top downloaded shows all year. So thank you guys so much for that. Now, without further ado, let me welcome in the one, the only, Jake Mendel. How are you doing today, Jake? Josh, are you trying to tell me we somehow have spent 98
2: episodes this year talking about Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis? Is that
1: what you're trying to tell me here? Somehow, some way, we did it. Oh, man. (laughs) Incredible.
2: Hey, somehow we have. And and I want to echo your statement, man. Uh, Just kind of see the numbers blow up for that show. Uh, There's a lot of things when you look back at this year. If you were to tell me that the Dolphins were going to sweep the Patriots, uh, they were going to go on a seven-game winning streak. They were going to fire their coach and then our best show would be in the off season, dude. Like that's just why we love football right there. That is so unpredictable. And there's, you know, people's careers at stake here and it's a tough field to be in. Uh, But the reports came out today, man, 20 of the top 25, I think even more 48 of the top 50 shows are viewings In the last year, we're all football games. So it just kind of goes to show how this hype can build up at any time based on just one conversation or one little ripple to an organization.
1: Yeah, man, it's just crazy. And again, it's been a roller coaster ride. You stuck with us through that seven game losing streak and the winning streak. So thank you guys so much. Um, now that we talk, got that out of the way, Jake. We got to jump right into this. And the first bit of news I want to talk about is Brian Flores. Again, he was fired. Twenty four and twenty five record was nineteen and fourteen over the last two years, but is already picking up heat from the Chicago Bears. I believe they are set to interview him. That was announced on Tuesday. So uh, give me your thoughts on this, Jake. You know, Brian Flores. Again, the firing kind of shocked us all. I think, at least personally, I did not expect the Dolphins to move on from Brian. Flores. Or as I understand that the relationships were, you know, unfixable, but I did not think the Dolphins, like you mentioned, after they beat the Pats, sweeped them. The winning streak, nineteen and fourteen over the last two seasons, first Dolphins team since two thousand two and two thousand three to have back to back winning seasons and make the postseason. I thought he'd be back, but here again, we are. Talk me through it, Jake.
2: Josh, that that's exactly the case. None of us thought we'd be in this situation, uh, but after that initial shock uh, comes. The information, right? After we panic and this is crazy, we start to kind of piece together what happened or what might have happened. And to kind of put it into perspective, Josh, let's say Brian Flores' his tenure in Miami is Star Wars. We are cracking open the book of Boba Fett right now with the stuff we're going to hear. We're going to see how he pulled himself out of a at Sarlacc pit. And it's important to keep everything with a grain of salt. I think it's important to also start this by saying no one has ever doubted Brian Flores, his talent as a football coach. I think we can all agree uh, that's why he has been around the NFL for so long. That's why he got a coaching job in Miami, because he is a damn good coach. But some of the things we're going to talk about here can kind of highlight, hey, maybe this is why Uh, those things you mentioned, having those winning seasons might be as optimized a Brian Flores-led team could be.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't want to get into this too much about, you know, the hard feelings, you know, him and Tua going back and forth. I don't know about you, Jake, right. but hearing that uh, Brian Flores was a hard ass, you know, a tough football coach. Breaking oh, news. that's a, yeah, breaking news. <laughs> he came from Bill <laughs> Belichick's coaching tree. I mean, what did you expect when you hired him? One of the biggest things over from that Barry Jackson article that stuck out was he said that Brian Flores was essentially running the dolphins building. I mean, um, and then at the end of the year, I think it came out that he actually wanted more control over the roster. So Jake, I mean, when you hear this, you hear the different relationships starting to windle away. I mean, it, it makes, sense on the surface but again jake i mean what two three days after it all happened i'm still sitting here and i truly just don't know where to go next i mean i don't think we're losing out on this great head coach but it does sting when the dolphins look like they were finally going in the right direction
2: josh and i think it might be a situation where brian flores was kind of his own worst enemy um i remember when it was he had an ego right we
1: talked about that we talked about how he probably had a huge ego and uh, Mm -hmm. surprise surprise
2: (laughs) we we During the Laramie Tunsil fiasco, our our good pal, Matt Kanata, Pro Football Network, go check them out. Uh, He talked about how much Flores loved uh, Benardrick McKinney, and that's who he wanted to be involved in that Tunsil deal more than anyone. That didn't happen. The next year, Josh, the Dolphins trade Shaq Lawson, a guy they signed one year previously to a three-year deal. They trade him to the Texans for Benardrick McKinney. And then about... A month later, they renegotiate his uh, contract to make it a one-year deal. Josh, we were on the show wondering what the hell is going on. We think this guy is a great middle linebacker. He is perfect for what the Dolphins are going to try to do. And then not only do they cut down his contract, they just cut him completely. And Landon Roberts making $1 million. a Brian Flores guy comes in and plays that position. He plays it pretty well. But, man, that must have been such a dysfunctional 20, you know, 20 day stretch for for McKinney. And I'd love to hear his take on Flores because obviously it's going to be one that's probably a little more on the negative side, but how the hell did that deteriorate so quickly? And that kind of seems to be a trend uh, for Flores is just this uh, wishy-washy, hot and cold. He's a Katy Perry song.
1: I love that man, a Katy Perry song, but I mean, ultimately Jake, was he not fired though? Because he just could not fix the offensive side of the football. And I mean, you mentioned these different personnel decisions. I mean, all year long. It just seemed like they were battling each other. I mean, whether it's the three offensive coordinators calling plays, you know, whether it's not having identity in the meeting rooms, uh, this offense has definitely been lacking behind, and I, I mean, we got to give Brian Flores all the credit in the world. What he did with that defense—I mean, they're what 21 points per game this year. I mean, they finished just as well as they did last year. I mean, so hat tip to what he's been able to do defensively, but it's, it's what he's done offensively—or I guess the lack thereof—that's been so questionable. Jake, I don't want to sit here and make excuses for Tua Loa, but when you have, you know, you hear these different things—the dysfunction, you know, between the coaching staffs and um, the GM, you know, Chris Greer and Brian Flores—and then you think about the the rumors that have been lingering over this franchise. I mean. To think that Tua Tagovailoa went out there, I mean, we can all agree he needs to play better football if he wants to be the quarterback of this team moving forward. But to think of all the obstacles that he had on his shoulders, the way he rose up, I mean, at least in my opinion, there were games where he went out there and did enough to win those things. I mean, that is a testament just how he battled and how he persevered over this. But um, when you have your head coach who doesn't like the quarterback, and you know, doesn't like some of the decisions your general manager has made. I mean, is this not what ultimately is going to happen? I mean, we're right back to where we started three years ago.
2: Yeah. So Flores had full authority to pick his coaching staff. And Josh, I think this is where the real issues started to come because you mentioned how successful the defense was. And we got to give Flores credit for picking out these guys. I mean, we saw the smile that he had when Raquan Davis was drafted. They they take Javon Holland early. It's no surprise that uh, for a team that had so much draft capital, a good defensive mind could pick out good defensive players. Uh, But then Josh, it also makes sense that, Hey, this was a team that couldn't figure out a running back. You know, this was a team that had a head coach who, when he was in New England, they drafted Sony Michelle in the first round. Like he was under the idea, like a lot of us, a lot of football people, the RB 0 we're just going to pluck a guy. Ben Jarvis Greed Ellis is going to come in, right? Uh, Steven Ridley, these guys are going to come in, but that's just really not how it works. Uh, so one of the most interesting things I thought about this story, and this is where I think the, the s- snowball turned into a, you know, a snowstorm is that at least one of the offensive coordinators was expecting to be dismissed, if not both. That is from the Barry Jackson article. And I think that is where Stephen Ross and Chris Greer really decided to put their foot down. I think for most of the season, they were under the expectations that this unit would go into next season together. However, I could imagine a world, again, this is all speculation, this is all me trying to paint a picture, uh, based on McKinney, based on, you know, this team gets uh, moves on from guys like Kyle Noy, Shaq Lawson, Eric Flowers, Jordan Howard, all after one year. I have a really strong feeling that whether Tua's on this list or not, whether it's strictly Tua or not, I don't know. But I feel like for the last month or so, Flores has been walking around with the laundry list of guys to Ross and Greer. We're firing all these people. We're changing all these people. And those two guys, Greer and Ross, finally might have hit that point where when we brought you on, it was the idea of we're going to take our time. We're going to take our lumps. We're going to grow. But was we as we rip off Band-Aids, as we switch our – coordinators it makes sense that you have a seven game losing streak to begin a season it makes sense that you turn it on late in the season when a coaching staff is finally understanding the talent I don't necessarily think you can come out here and say like they should have known that Malcolm Brown can't run a you know a out of the shotgun on fourth and one and not get it it just I'm not trying to make excuses but all that stuff is really starting to make sense to me and that just kind of seemed like maybe that's the direction they were going to go in again where it's another year another brand new coaching
1: staff. Yeah, and I think their their hand was forced here, obviously. And I think it's kind of, you know, oil and water when you mix those two. You know, the way they separate. I mean, that's kind of what we have going on here. You mentioned some of those hits. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast. Maybe we should be giving Brian Flores credit for Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, yes, some of those absolutely. defensive players. Um, But at the same time, we can't fault – we have to give him some of the credit for some of those misses. I mean, as one – from this Barry Jackson article you have written down here, as one Dolphins person said, people need to stop blaming Greer entirely for the personnel moves that didn't work out the past three years and blame them both equally and both deserve credit for the ones that worked out. That source said that the two men between Brian Flores and Tua Tagovailoa would have been able to work through, you know, that spat during the Tennessee game. But I, I think, again, Jake, it just goes back to how he was unable to fix that offensive side of the football. And again, just, I mean, how can you sit here and, you know, It sounded like you almost had full control heading into this year. How could you honestly Mm -hmm. then run up to the owner or, you know, to to Chris Greer and then try to demand even more power, you know, after the season you just had, it's crazy to me. And um, it almost sounds like, you know, Chris Greer is the perfect yes, man. And I think that's kind of why he is still here and sitting right next to Steven Ross, making yet another coaching decision. And
2: nobody talked about that feud or whatever it was between Tua and Flores during the Titans game, because that that's football, you know, people are going to argue on the sidelines. Coaches are going to be hard asses, but I think, when you look at the success Miami had, it's important to put it in the lens of as an organization, not just the Miami Dolphins, because has brought this team to, you know, a sustained level of success. I mean, I just don't think that the success was going to kick much farther just by the way he operated things. Again, I don't I'm not going to say a single bad thing about him as a football coach. He can identify that defensive talent. But if you can't maintain guys who can identify offensive talent, man, it's it's not going to go anywhere.
1: Yeah, and again, I mean, it's been holding this team back. I mean, we, how many years are we going to go where we can sit here and say this team had a, what, a top five, top ten defense, talk about all their accolades, yep. but then talk about how the offense is slugging along. Jake, before we move into the coaching candidates, I want to ask you one thing, and it was something that I kind of just started going Charlie on, but Robert Jones got his first start this weekend. Who's... Do you you think, you know, maybe that was general manager Chris Greer or you meant maybe a Brian Flores decision? I mean, uh, I guess I'm just going spin zone here, but I was thinking immediately once I thought about it, you know, maybe Chris Greer said, you know, throw Robert Jones out there and I'll prove to you that Jesse Davis isn't that tackle you thought. Again, pure speculation. Didn't know if you thought anything of that.
2: Josh, that's really interesting. And again, it just kind of helps paint that picture. Uh, I think it was Jackson. It might've been someone else who was talking about how Flores treated veterans a little differently. I think that's i think every coach is going to do that to an extent guys on rookie contracts got rookies it's just kind of the nfl culture bully gate man we sat through it for two and a half years um but that that is such an interesting take that maybe it kind of took that extra little push to try something different because it was also reported that flores was not happy when offensive line changes were being leaked out it seemed like it was hard to kind of make those changes and adjust on the fly, but that's a great point, man. I like that quite a bit that, you know, you bring in a guy, he plays decently well and you're wondering where the hell have you been? And it goes back to maybe Tua in that Baltimore game at Baltimore, right? Where he came in in the second half. Yep. Yep. Sorry. I I should know that I should be able to tell you. It all runs together
1: with the way we go up and down. I mean, (laughs) this whole season's (laughs) run together, man. Josh, you got that right. But here,
2: we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk some Brian Dable, some other guys on the other side. So stick with us and we'll talk to you soon.
0: This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
1: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We
0: break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip.
1: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito we talked about Brian Flores. Jake, now let's jump into the Miami Dolphins coaching search. I have written down here, the Dolphins finally got off their ass and did something. I don't know about you, man, but once they fired Brian Flores, you started to hear all these other interviews and these teams requesting candidates. I just sat there and thought, you know, when are the Dolphins going to do something? And then they did. The first coach they summoned to Davey was Buffalo Bills offense coordinator, Brian Dable. Did I say that right? Dable. Sorry, let me do that again. Dable. Okay, yeah, Brian Dable. He's 46 years old. He moved to the NFL in 2000 as a Patriots defensive assistant had a stint there as a the Jets quarterback coach and Browns offensive coordinator, and then landed in Miami in 2011. Jake, I don't know if you remember this. The Miami Dolphins went 6-10 and with the robot Chad Henney and Matt Moore. He did have Reggie Bush's best season with that 1,000 yards on the ground, and Brandon Marshall feasted 81 receptions for 1,214 yards and six touchdowns. So there were some bright spots here. He then went on to the Chiefs as a 2012 Patriots tight end coach in 2013 and 2016, which I've written down eye emojis because was that – was that the Rob Gronkowski years or am I way too early with yeah, that? No, no, okay. You're good. So, so I emojis there, and then he went on to Bama, and this kind of stuck out to me. Jake, as the offense coordinator and quarterback coach in 2017 with quarterback Tua Tonga Valoa and Jalen Hurts, he said in an interview he left because of differences and admitted he wanted to play Tua sooner. And he's also been quoted as saying too, as keyhole accuracy. He then joined the Bills in 2018, where the offense ranked 30th in scoring. They moved to 23rd in 2019 second in 2020 and finished third this season with 28.4 points per game. He has familiarity with Tua Valoa, Jake, offense coordinator Brian Dable, give me your thoughts.
2: I love that you included the Reggie Bush and Brandon Marshall stats, because I think that's kind of a good idea of what you're going to get out of someone like Brian Dable. I think he's a volume guy. He's going to know who your best players are, and he's going to get them the ball. I mean, Reggie Bush was so underutilized in Miami for all that time, and that's what sticks out to me. But Josh, I guess the concern is uh, if two is going to be your quarterback, it's going to be. An offense where you're going to kind of get a lot of different guys involved, you're going to make the right read. I just wonder if Tua and Dable would be that mix where, uh, you know, you see how Dable's operating with Josh Allen, it starts with your one big volume receiver and hey, you take some shots from there.
1: I don't know if that mix match really works, Josh, but I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued here. I guess the thing that sticks out and concerns me the most is, are we really going to go down this rookie head coach thing again? I mean, I know a lot of mm-hmm. these guys on this list, you know, would be first timers, but that to me is just not the way these Dolphins should go. But back to your point, Jake. I mean, I think part of the reason you would have interest in the Dable is what he was able to do with Josh Allen. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa mm-hmm. does not have those physical traits. Let's just stop that right here and there. He will never be able to make some of those So Josh Allen does. But to see his development, you know how everyone gave up on him as a rookie. Just watch what he. He came under Brian Dable. I think the thing that stuck out most, and one of the quotes I saw, I wish I had it pulled up, but, but he sat there and said about how important it was to have consistency, you know, whether it's the offensive coaching staff, whether it's just, you know, with the players and things like that. So that, to me, is what intrigues me most. But um, I think when I'm looking at this list, I'm going with a first-timer. I might look at Mike McDaniels, Kellen Moore, one of those other guys. But um, back to the point, this was the first guy summoned. It did take a little bit before I think the Dolphins started to request other interviews, and he does have some familiarity with Tua Valoa. And it weakens a division foe. So I don't know if that matters at all, Jake, but definitely an interesting name to keep an eye out on. If he does make that move, be very interesting to see those Buffalo Bills matchups between him and Dable.
2: That I love that quote about consistency, because I mean, if you say that to Stephen Ross, man, I mean, you might, he might open up the checkbook on the spot. That's really what he is looking for as a uh, owner of the team. Josh, Mike McDaniels. If I had to pick one of the rookies, I know I said Kelly more before, but I'm starting to talk myself into this guy. And I think it's partially because
1: Twitter says he sucks. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I was gonna say, say I don't even know what you want me to say here, man. I mean, I think on all these rookie lists, I think Eric Bienemy might have been at the top of my list had we come into this, you know, a week prior and said this. But I'm starting to get on Mike McDaniel's bandwagon, man. I mean, you see some of the quotes coming out. I'm not gonna get into that Chris Richard thing like we did last time, where he was, you know, getting into it with some of the players on the sideline. I mean, is that what got Brian Flores fired? Apparently, I mean, we don't mm-hmm. need that again, but I mean, we're seeing some of these quotes come out and just how he's this offensive genius. I jokingly said last time, and again, here he does honestly look like a creative skater from Tony skater, So 38 years old, we know what he means. That San Francisco 49ers run game. He's been with Kyle Shanahan since 2017. I think he was on the Falcons staff when they went to the Super Bowl, has some experience there with Dan Quinn, which has linked some people to say, you know, maybe the Dolphins really want Dan Quinn and they're just doing their due diligence here. But I don't know, Jake, if this dude's an intelligent guy, an analytics guy, offensive minded again, I mean, I'd be open to anything. But again, I just have to take a step back and just wonder, do they really want to go that rookie head coach route with everything that they built over the last few years? And that's like the biggest fear that, you know, you have a couple of years to really operate here. You got some more draft
2: picks coming down the tube. You need someone who can come in and see the vision that's already established for this team, because there are some strong draft picks. There are some good contracts there that you have to keep in mind. Josh McDaniels. I saw him with the logo run game guru next to him. Now I know we had a guru in the form of Joe Philbin. It was supposedly an offensive, a quarterback guru, but I don't think it was that. He so-
1: defines guru, right? Is that not what the <laughs> definition of guru is, Joe Philbin? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but McDaniels, I'm, I'm really appealed by this because I think there are a lot of people out there and this is going to make people mad, but I'm going to say it uh, pro football focus specifically. Those guys compare to uh, to Jimmy G a lot, just kind of, they read, they react. The physical traits aren't the best, but they're going to beat you with their brains. They're going to make the right reads and play smart football. McDaniels the running game. Those are things you need to play smart football and open up opportunities in the middle of the field. I think that if you are going to keep Tua as your quarterback moving forward, I think this is a match that is very interesting to me. You know, you have the fears of that first time head coach. You have the fears of who are you going to bring in on defense, but man, the way he operates, the coaches he's worked with, I mean, it seems like that's kind of that match made in heaven. If this was like a a
1: Tinder hookup,
2: these guys would definitely match.
1: Would you be swiping right? That's the right way, right? You'd be swiping right. I'm too old to know this for sure. um, Really interesting. George Kittle joked that he wanted to get Mike McDaniels added to his contract. That was how valuable he was. I guess one of the biggest concerns with him is that he doesn't call the plays. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan calls the plays, but I did pull up a few quotes. Former Cleveland Browns wide receiver Andrew Hawkins said, I played one season under Mike, and if they want an offensive guru, I bet every dollar on my account that no other candidate understands offense football the way he does every dollar. Uh, Pierre Garçon said, probably the smartest one of the positions." And coaches he's ever played for Chris Forrester the Miami Dolphins um yeah we'll just keep it there former <laughs> offensive line coach the ultimate sounding board and creative guy and then at one point Kyle Shanahan said Mike is just as important as anyone to work with he went on to say that he's surprised that a team has not pried him away so um Jake I'm getting a little excited talking about him but again I, I can't help but wonder why they'd go that rookie route but I'm up for anything man are you up for a 51-year-old Dan Quinn who blew a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl? Is that something you'd be up for? I I wasn't. I wasn't at first, <laughs> but, I mean, the more I start to think about it, I mean, I'm starting to be, again, open-minded because I continue to hear, you know, he has that Rolodex. I mean, he has all those – coach, he has the coaching staff that he can put in place. And has that not been the biggest thing here, just how, I guess – Lemuel jean pierre you know the three offensive coordinators i mean we need a coach to come in here and build an awesome coaching staff so uh dan quinn's definitely not at the top of my list but i'm not opposed to it like i might have been yesterday when i posted that spongebob uh, picture on twitter
2: i think we'd like guys who have a little bit of a wikipedia page to them i think that is a nice standard to set for ourselves and dan quinn's someone who's been coaching since 1994 josh uh, Falcons coach for five years Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator right now he's really injected that defense after they were one of the worst units a year ago and Josh this is would be an interesting hire I believe Dolphins he was uh Dan Quinn was their defensive line coach under Nick Saban back in the day 2005-2006 um I guess the issue is is the same issue with Brian Flores you can have all the you know coordinators in the world you can set up that staff and be really excited about it but If the Dolphins don't want to, you know, continue the saga of every four years you're switching quarterbacks or you're switching head coaches, I guess, along with quarterbacks, you need someone to kind of sustain that offense. If Dan Quinn comes in and establishes that strong defense, what happened to his offense? Kyle Shanahan got up and left and all of a sudden Atlanta wasn't the same team. So I guess that would be my biggest concern there.
1: Yeah. And again, I think the best way I think to put Dan Quinn is he's that coach that like I had a friend who was a Broncos fan. He was in disarray. You know, they just fired their coaching staff. And I was sitting there talking to him into Dan Quinn, you know, saying all these good things about him, trying to make him feel better. And then as soon as this report came out, I'm like, yo, I want nothing to do with Dan Quinn. And they're all sitting here saying, oh, what about all that nice stuff you said about him? I think the world, you know, you, th- you can think Dan Quinn's a good head coach. You can think he'd be a great fit for another team. But I don't know about you, Jake. But coming into this coaching process, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Dan Quinn, I mean, he kind of feels like that Jim Caldwell where it's like, okay, I guess, but I mean, when you continue to see these rookie coaches on this list, you continue to see that, you know, we're not seeing a Jim Harbaugh show up. We're not seeing a Doug Peterson right now. Maybe Dan Quinn isn't so bad. I mean, he turned that defense around this year. A lot of people think he's going to get assistant coach of the year in 2020. The Cowboys allowed 473 points, the worst in franchise history. Quinn turned that defense around 2021. The Cowboys lead the league in interceptions and turnovers, and then approved to 21.1 points per game. Seventh in the NFL. As I mentioned earlier, the dolphins under Flores finished the year 21.9. So Jake, again, it all goes back. We have a great defense in place. We can bring in a great defense in mind, but what are they going to do offensively? Josh. And that's why I wonder is Kellen more the answer, Josh, I want to
2: talk about the Wikipedia pages for a second because did you know Kellen Moore actually won the Kellen Moore trophy twice. It was originally called the quarterback of the year award, but Kellen Moore won it twice. And all of a sudden uh, they decided to name it after him. So first and foremost, you want to hire someone, make sure they have an award named after them. Why not?
1: That's a a game changer. I had no idea. Yeah, right. Put that on your resume. (laughs) Thank you Wikipedia coming in clutch.
2: So, man, I really like the idea of Khaled Moore, too, because it has a lot of the same things that uh, reasons I like Mike McDaniel. It goes back to how they're going to run an offense. Khaled Moore, man, that Dallas offense is so much fun to watch. I think we both said during the season, um, the peak of Tua, if he was to ever get where we'd hope he'd get, it'd be somewhere around Dak Prescott, I think. Somewhere in that area, please stop me if you think I'm wrong. But I, I think that's if, you know, you think of a 28 year old Tua being a top 10 quarterback, it's got to look something like that, right?
1: I was gonna say in the perfect world, but he definitely needs to get a visor. If he wants to be Dak, he needs a visor because <laughs> I think that would change everything with Tua. Get that visor.
2: Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, the two tight ends. Uh, you got two running backs in the system. Kellen Moore is a coach who knows how to get everybody involved. And hey, you got a quarterback who wants to get everybody involved. That seems like an interesting choice to me. It's exciting to see that the Dolphins are already sniffing around this. Uh, Moore hasn't been a coach too, too long. He uh, joined the Cowboys in 2018 quarterbacks coach from 2019 through 2022. And that includes the role of offensive coordinator as well. Man, I think this would be an exciting pick, but again, there's not a lot of depth here. It goes back. Is this not like a Charlie Fry signing, for better or worse? Just that, you know, really smart football mind, but there's just not a lot of um, proof that it's going to turn into anything.
1: Yeah, that's how it kind of feels. And I mean, I'm sitting here reading it, 33 years old, JFC, dude. I mean, he, this dude's younger than I am. So, I mean, <laughs> what kind of staff would he put in place? And I'm sitting here doing the Charlie thing, but I really, Jake, I mean, could they be interviewing Kellen Moore to find out his thoughts on Dan Quinn as well? I mean, isn't this how these interviews kind of go sometimes? So, I don't know, man. But Kellen Moore's definitely interesting if they're going to go with that young offensive coordinator, uh, you know, offensive genius. I mean, we see what they did this year. Cal was 31.2 points per game, number one in football. So, it always seems like, Jake, these quarterbacks that don't quite have success in the NFL or, you know, different things like that are always the perfect coaches. So Kellen Moore, I don't know if he'll get a coaching job this time around, but we're going to continue to see his name. And at some point, he's going to be that young offensive genius in the NFL. And uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> just matters how long he lasts, right? Uh, he'll, he could be that
2: genius for a year. He could be that genius for 20 years, right? That's just kind of how these guys come he, in and out of the You league. look
1: older than him, though. Can we be honest? You look like you might be older that than is him, That is one of the meanest things, things you can say to someone. Dude, it is. Oh yeah, my God. I saw him and I'm like, this is why Jake likes him because Jake looks like he could just like go sit your ass down in class and do your homework or something like that. Yes.
2: I finally have someone like that. I could, I could be in charge of That's perfect. That is exactly what the dolphins need as head coach leading a full room of grown men onto the football field. Josh, the last one here. I don't know if I'm trying to talk myself into this or what It's I actually believe. The Dolphins interviewed a 49-year-old Vance Joseph, who was previously the defensive coordinator. Those defenses kind of stunk. What I think is happening here, Josh, is Chris Greer doing his old buddy a solid here by giving him an interview. Otherwise, I don't know if the Dolphins are going to go back to someone like Vince Joseph.
1: Yeah, I tweeted the dot, dot, dot. And the first thing everyone reminded me of was the Rooney rule. Someone said that it was actually changed this year, really. Now they're. Uh, interview two minority candidates i'm not sure if that's confirmed but i think you know this might be that him trying to give his former colleague a you know an interview try to get his name out there circulating but at the same time jake could this not be a little concerning you know is chris greer maybe not running yes. back to his pals and i mean that's what i guess i'd be most scared of is you know now chris greer sticking around again you know if you don't go with this young offensive guy or a young defensive minded coach are they going to go out there and you know bring him in... todd Bowles is out there too right i mean if they're going with one of these guys that, you know, were here earlier in their career and didn't quite work out, I think I might look at Todd Bowles, but I, I don't know, man. Vance Joseph really doesn't move the needle to me. Someone mentioned he's just a nicer version of Ryan Flores. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if you saw Ben Albright also throughout that he heard rumors that Byron left, which was a candidate or, you know, the Dolphins had interest in him. So just throwing that out there is another name they could possibly interview. But I, I don't know, man, I'm I'm out on Vance Joseph. I've kind of out in all these defensive minded guys, but I have been talking myself in to Stone Cold Dan Quinn. Can I start calling him that again? He's going to get fired <laughs> just for calling him that. But he does have the Can you Photoshop head. Dan Quinn's face on the Brian Forza's body? Oh, that's does Let's, do <laughs>
2: let's do Stone Cold. <laughs> It's off season and the team just fired their head coach. This is where we're at. Yeah, I man, Vance Joseph, I uh, I do know that he does happen to have a pal. Uh, follow me on this one who uh, spent some time in both Chicago and Denver. And he happens to know Peyton Manning.
1: Is that someone you'd mm. want running your offense? It sounds like someone I'd want running my offense. Sounds house. like an <laughs> offensive genius that could definitely turn this quarterback around, right? He's the quarterback whisperer we've heard so much about. Gadam <laughs> and Gadam Ace.
2: Gadam <laughs> ace. I
1: got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that is the that is the way to put the icing on the cake for this show. Guys, this was this was a lot of fun. I mean, this is not necessarily the situation we thought we'd be in, but hey, this is. This is how you
1: make content in the off season, right? All this drama and disaster. So who, who are you picking out of this list? I mean, I I wrote the article. I, I would prefer Jim Harbaugh, Peterson, Bienemy. Those were my three guys. Who would you pick out of this list, man? Because their Dolphins aren't talking to the guys I had interest in. So who out of this list of candidates, you know, putting your flag on right now? I mean, it's way too early in this process. But do you have a, do you have a preference, Jake? Should I just stick with the shtick and, and be Kellen Moore guy through and through? You could, yeah, you can. I'll, I'll do Mike McDaniels because some people said he looks like me if he cut his hair. And uh, we know. Yeah. If one of us is happy, both of us are
2: happy. I think that's the way I look at that conversation right there. Yeah. And we'll be right back here in three years,
1: right? <laughs> no matter
2: what happens. <laughs> And I'm putting the date in my calendar right now. And I'm, I'm very much looking for that show. And I hope you guys are too. If you don't remember this date, you need to go hit that subscribe button because we try to do three days a week, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, during the season, during the off season, during a crazy winter, we don't know when we're going to record, but we're going to try to stick to this two to three shows a week, especially as the Dolphins continue this coaching search. And maybe Adam Gase becomes the next guy in charge of the Dolphins. Who knows? But guys, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Houts. I'm at JMetal94 for Finsider Radio, for the Jake and Josh show. I hope you're staying warm out there, and we will talk to you guys soon. Fins up.
1: That
0: Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami... You're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.